It's Tuesday, April 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me, Mr. Bill Barker. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, we've got some earnings. We've got some announcements. Let's just call it announcements. Um, uh, we're going to start with Coca-Cola. Uh, first quarter profits and revenue for Coca-Cola came in higher than expected. Uh, what stood out to you in this report? Because what stood out to me was how much Coca-Cola depends on what they refer to as the away from home channel. Yeah, I think in terms of uh, it, it, once you hear it, it, it becomes uh, kind of what you might have expected if you had been thinking a lot about the um, business of Coke. But uh, the away from home uh, channel is off, I think, 50% uh, since the sort of global lockdowns uh, and stay at home has, has occurred. So the whole numbers for the, the whole quarter don't uh, come out really nearly as badly because people stocked up um, for Coke and water and, and orange juice. And now they're having stocked up, not going to be buying as much. But uh, this whole away from home, you're talking about theaters, you're talking about sporting events, you're talking about convenience stores, picking something up at the gas station. Uh, all of that uh, is is way, way, way off. Uh, 50%, that's for a company the size of Coke. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you throw in restaurants and bars, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, as you said, once you start to think about it, it makes perfect sense. And I'm curious to see uh, how quickly they can bounce back from this. And I guess we're going to get... Um, at least an additional data point this weekend when the state of Georgia opens for business uh, to a degree that a lot of other states are not open. And we see, well, how many people are going back to these venues and and uh, what is the activity like? Because you can, you can wave a magic wand and say, we're going to open up all the restaurants and bars. Um, I still think the majority of people are just going to stay right where they are. And I think that for Coca-Cola, it's good that they've got the distribution network they have because it seems like the away from home channel is going to be slow to ramp back up. So Georgia, well, you know, if you're going and you're, you're getting a tattoo or you're uh, getting a massage, because those are the two of the main things that are being opened uh, in, in Georgia, uh, of course you're going to have a Coke. So that's got to help. Gymnasiums as well, you know, Planet yeah. Fitness. Exactly. If you're, if you're, you know, I mean, who's who's not working out with a couple of cokes? Uh, yeah. Well, to be fair, they do they do have Dasani, uh, their water brand. So yes, and it is the home of Coke, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, I think that uh, it's it's and then restaurants, I think, are opening up, but not bars uh, in the Georgia order. Uh, it you know this is a, a, a fraction of a fraction of their their global sales, uh, but you know places around the world uh, slowly opening up um, as other places uh, in, in other hemispheres are locking down more. So I mean, there's going to be a rolling uh, improvement in small locations and, and geographies, while others are uh, coming down and and. The result of that is for Coke, as it is with so many others, um, you know, we can't give guidance right now. So that's part of the um, hit that the share price took earlier. 
it's not that big a deal, but um, I think that uh, you know it's it's off one or two percent. Other sort of uh, staples, consumer staples, uh, are still able to, in many cases, give guidance, and you know, Coke is is not because of the degree to which it's tied into entertainment. Um, you know, its major push for advertisement this year, of course, was going to be the Olympics. That's off the table. They'll save some money uh, on the advertising, but that was the 2020 plan was to organize around the Olympics. Well, and when you talk about consumer staples companies uh, maintaining their guidance, uh, today we also had JM Smucker come out and uh, their second quarter earnings report doesn't come out, I think, for another four or five weeks, but Smucker raised its guidance for the rest of the fiscal year. Uh, I was a little surprised by that until I remembered that JM Smucker also has a pet food segment under their uh, brand umbrella, and I the pet food segment has to be helping them. Has to be, yeah. Uh, people stocked up. Um, the, one of their brands is Milk Bones. I know our dogs are getting more Milk Bones uh, right now every day than they typically get. Giving them some treats. Hopefully, my kids are giving them uh, some milk bones right now to keep them quiet while we record. And that's a actually a fairly large part of the business is the pet brands, not just uh, milk bones, but Nine Lives and uh, a number of other things. Uh, and also, people are getting dogs. Um, they're it's good news for uh, pet shelters um, that a number of people have have gone and. Uh, found a, a pet there, and uh, anyway, that that's a little bit marginal for Smuckers, but good news for dogs around the around the country. Let's uh, segue as smoothly as possible from dogs to IBM, uh, because IBM's first quarter revenue fell more than three percent. This is the, the last quarter for Ginny Rometty as CEO. Um, Arvind Krishna is taking over. And not to bash Ginny Rometty, but uh, when you look at the stock performance of IBM over the last five, 10 years, this uh, new leadership is needed. And in Krishna, they're getting someone who's got 30 years of experience at the company, most recently as senior VP and director of research. And uh, they're going to need some magic innovation dust at IBM to materially move this stock higher. Yeah, I suppose they're they're a little behind, of course, on cloud. Uh, although that is the part of the business that is growing, uh, there are a lot of other parts, and it's uh, it's spread out in, in a number of different uh, technology and software divisions. Um, you know, there are large uh, parts of budgets which are not going to be spent on big software upgrades. Right now, uh, companies, I think the, the word that uh, IBM said that their customers are in cash conservation mode, that makes sense. You got a lot of businesses, small and medium, uh, that don't have uh, cash to uh, invest in upgrades right now. They've got to make sure that the connectivity that they need to have their employees working is uh, up to speed. But uh, you know, all, all in all, what you're finding is that uh, it's going to be another challenging year for IBM following uh, many others, uh, most of which, as you say, uh, Ginny Romnady was, uh, was around for. Do you get the sense that um, 
that there are financial levers uh, that IBM can pull uh, to reward shareholders, whether it's increasing the dividend, increasing buybacks. I know that we're at a point in time where uh, increasing share buybacks um, is seen as one of the worst things a company can do. Um, but I, I'm I'm just trying to think through like what is other than preservation, because it seems like IBM is a steady business, and uh, you're not you know the, the the old saying that a mutual fund manager never got fired for buying shares of IBM. I th that still seems to hold true today. I'm just wondering what is the the bull case for buying this stock. Yeah, I would be wondering what the bull case for buying this stock is too. And I suppose if you want to hang your hat on new management could do better than old management, then that's, I think, a drum that you've been beating um, about IBM potentially. Uh, the dividend's been pretty secure, uh, been raising it, uh, you know, over the years. Uh, I don't know that I would. Get cavalier with the buybacks right now. In fact, you know one of the things that is down and expected to be down for the year is the financing division of IBM, uh, which is going to be scaling back on uh, how it, you know, supports and funds, uh, you know, its customers' purchases. So, uh, you know, they're they're in, in a little bit of cash conservation mode themselves. Well, let's move on then to Hertz. Um, Hertz announced they're laying off 10,000 employees, which the last time I saw a headcount at Hertz, it was about 18 months ago, and they had somewhere in the neighborhood of 37,000 employees. That's, that's an enormous number on a percentage basis for Hertz to lay off. And I know that when you're in the business of renting cars to people at a time when no one is traveling, things are really bad, but that's that's uh, that's a big move by Hertz. Yeah, uh, no matter what the uh, top line number is on employees, a ten thousand employee reduction is is major, and I'm almost surprised if it's only a quarter uh, of of the uh, the workforce, uh, given the the standstill that must be going on with their business as. Uh, nobody, nobody's really flying, and that's a major part of their customer base. And people are not uh, otherwise uh, renting cars to make trips of any kind. Of course, longer term, Hertz has been under tremendous pressure from uh, Uber and Lyft. And I don't know uh, whether your uh, experience is the last couple of times that you've flown that you've uh, used Uber or Lyft entirely instead of running a car, which you might have done in the past. Uh, that's been my experience and the experience of a huge number of others. And I don't know that Hertz's business model survives, uh, well, 10 years, certainly, and, and you know, even five. Yeah, it's interesting because I've definitely had those experiences in the last year or so where I've, you know, maybe flown up to Boston just by myself and decided, well, I'll, I'll, I won't rent a car. I'll, I'll just use Uber or you know, some combination of uh, the subway and Uber. Um, but I actually have been thinking about car rental uh, for this year in lieu of flights. There are a couple of trips I'm hoping to make later this year. And when I think about them at this point in time, I'm seriously considering 
saying, you know what, I'm just going to rent a car and I'm going to drive eight hours, 10 hours, something like that. I would rather do that than get on a plane. Okay. Uh, and you probably wouldn't uh, take Uber for a 10 hour ride if you're even marginally intelligent. Yeah, no, this is like, this what is, would that cost? You know, uh, these things, uh, 10 hour ride. What does it cost on Uber? On Uber? I, yeah. uh, I don't know. The, the only, um, the only example I could think of is in the movie splash when, uh, Tom Hanks character at the early in the movie gets drunk and he's in New York city and he, uh, takes a cab, I think, to Cape Cod. And uh, the cab driver thinks he's joking around and he holds up a huge wad of cash and, you know, off they go. But yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not taking a, an Uber or a Lyft from Northern Virginia to Nashville, Tennessee. Well, it was a different time. That's back when people uh, generally carried around huge wads of cash. There were more mermaids. Um, I mean, try telling the kids nowadays about, you know, what was going on back then. They won't believe you. Thank God we have the movie as proof of what actually happened, because I think it's a documentary. Digitally altered, as you may have read. I think I did read something about that. Is that because it's a Disney movie? They're like, does Disney own it? And so, therefore, we're going to digitally alter so we don't see Daryl Hannah's backside? Yes, yes, precisely. You know, that's, that's I mean, that's a, a choice that you can make, but uh, it's the wrong choice. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, if you decide to want to just interfere with great art, I suppose you can do that. I mean, uh, the next thing you know, they'll be digitally altering the the wad of cash to try to that make that sense too. You know, it's like they'll be holding up, uh, you, you know, their Apple Pay thing just so people understand what's going on. Yeah, that's not as dramatic in a movie to hold up like uh, you know your phone and it's like, oh, here's my Apple Pay, here's my, <laughs> here's my PayPal, as opposed to here's a fistful of cash. <laughs> Uh, clearly, we're at the end of uh, talking about investing, and uh, from the sound in the background there, it sounds like uh, your dogs need some more milk bone products. Yeah, we're going to have to uh, let Owen have a couple more milk bones if we're going to have any peace in this house the rest of the day. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.